Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Matt Deegan. On the show this week, it's the annual Media Reaction Survey from Kantar. Jane Austen is here to unpack the findings. Mark Thompson is taking over at CNN, but after taking on the top job at the BBC and New York Times, is this his toughest challenge yet? Also on the programme, how some enterprising souls might be using Spotify to launder money, and why Facebook's hitting closed tab on Facebook News. All that plus in the Media Quiz, we look at the winners and losers at the National TV Awards. That's all to come in this edition of the Media Podcast. In the news this week, as Warner Brothers Discovery announces that the writers and actors strike will cost it half a billion dollars this year, five talk show hosts have combined forces to pay their workers through a new podcast. Strike Force 5 features Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers. But in this humble podcaster's opinion, they could do with spending a little more money on their recording software. Uh, Elsewhere, many column inches have been written this week about the closure of CITV, ITV's linear children's channel. Uh, But the generations that will miss it most, i.e. Gen Z, uh, will be satiated by the news Big Brother will premiere on ITV, uh, on uh, the main channel. um, And new Love Island spin-off All Stars is coming to ITV2. Who says linear's dead? Now, joining me from the London Podcast Studios, making her first in-studio media podcast debut, it's talented people's Kimberly Godbolt. Hello. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's lovely to see you here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so we've been talking a lot on the show about kind of like the slowdown in TV commissioning. Uh, and at the TV festival a couple of weeks ago, it was definitely the hot topic, wasn't it? Just the, this change in commissioning. I mean, what's the effect on, on some of your the people that you look after or kind of come through your doors? It's absolutely massive. Um, It's all anyone can talk about. It is all we hear about. Um, We obviously sit right in the middle between all the production companies and channels and streamers who are, you know, looking to us when they have uh, roles to give us to work on. And then all of the thousands and thousands of freelancers who are desperately looking for work. So we, we are really sensitive to even a fine market difference and this is absolutely huge um it's been really really hard for everyone and i know um that that's been said a lot but it is true um it hasn't got a lot better um and you know to the point where even just you know just in the last 24 hours there's there's been a post um on reddit where someone is um writing a letter to telly um to hand in their resignation um, which is one of Sadly, many that we already know about, but we've well, got to work, haven't you? You've got to do something if you can't if you if you can't find a gig. You 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 have, um, and 
you know, people are leaving. Um, I think also people are fairly annoyed with um, the senior people who are sitting in cushy staff jobs mm. telling them just to hold their nerve. Mm. I think that's patronising now um, because, as you say, people have got to pay mortgage, rent, bills, etc., and live. And with the cost of living going up, mm. it's an absolute nightmare for people. So there's only so much, well, you know, you need to use this time to upskill yourself yeah, or yeah. you need to use this time um, to uh, wisely make yourself better at something that people want to hear, mm. even though that is kind of the best that people can do at the moment. But there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of upset because after COVID uh, and people got back up again, loads of people were, you know, production managers, for example, were like back in their droves. We love you. You know, you can charge any rate you like. We need you. All this love. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're kicked mm. from, you know, kicked at the knees again and back on the ground. Are there, is there any sort of genres that are coming back quicker or that there's any idea from? Because a lot of kind of factual sort of disappeared. Um, is, is, is there any kind of good signs or is it still a little bit too early? I mean, I think we are sensing September, October, there will be a little commissioning bump mm. in certain unscripted genres like there usually is just because commissioners have been away stuff still needs to be on the telly Um, and so there will be bits and bobs that have been in development for a long time so yeah I'd say you know some big formats and fact end stuff is you know is prickling and may come through Um, but on the whole everyone's saying it's kind of next year it's going to come back you know Mm. properly. Um, And you set up a podcast kind of precisely for this community of people. Yes so the Imposter Club is a place for people to come and hang out and listen to very senior people talk about their own struggles and challenges in the industry because there's this overwhelming sense of loneliness um, that the freelance community are just not looked after and have nowhere to go and nowhere to turn and that it's so easy to compare yourself to others and look around and go how has that person got there so successfully and easily Um, and then feel, but I am totally left out from this and I must be terrible at my job um, and have these imposter syndrome moments. So yeah, it's a place where some very senior names have come and talk incredibly candidly about their careers and the things that they faced um, for other people to kind of listen in and feel better about themselves, but also learn how to handle the difficulties. So more on that later and also all the details are in the show notes. And next to Kimberly, we've got the EVP of Global Thought Leadership for Kantar. It's Jane Osler. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, So we're going to talk about your media reactions research a little bit later on. But come on, before we start, give us give us one wow statistic. What's 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 the thing that surprised you when you were going Um, through the cross tabs? I think, yeah, obviously a lot of time spent uh, looking at the data this year. Um, Surprising thing was probably that the number one channel for consumers in terms of where they like marketing activity and advertising is actually sponsored events okay and in fact the top five preferences among consumers are all out of home channels like our you know posters Mm. digital out of home cinema ads and point of sale so while consumers love all that the top five for marketers are all digital channels where they accept advertising um, so you've got this complete mismatch, um, literally, in the top five. Marketers not in tune with consumers? That's never happened before, has yes, it? Anyway, it's outrageous. We'll get, we'll get more into that a, a bit later on. Um, first, though, um, story number one. Um, a big story has been the news that Mark Thompson, previously of the BBC and the New York Times, is taking over at CNN. Um, a surprise to many, though everybody's kind of written about it, is, has said, well, this is quite obvious, isn't it? I hadn't seen anybody <laughs> mention this before. And you can see why they um, chose him. Um, Jane, why do you think Mark Thompson's 
uh, decided to put his head above above the parapet at CNN? Well, obviously, he's been in many challenging roles before, mm. and he's been in many roles where the job is to bring forward a kind of legacy organisation and drag them <laughs> kicking and screaming into a, into a digital world. Whether they want to go or not. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, there are obviously particular circumstances at CNN where they've had you know, a, a, a period with a CEO who, like, did not do the right things, yes. um, um, who left under under a bit of a cloud, tried to drag them to be more right-wing, had a bit of a rebellion, a mutiny almost, from some of the uh, people who work there. So, like, it's a problem. It's, it's a problem. And, um, you know, f- from what I know, Mark Thompson is good at sorting that kind of thing out. I think the other thing is... Um, you know, all CEO roles now, they have to be like really good on the strategy, mm. but they also have to be really good on the execution. And possibly in a new dimension, which is they also have to be really good at people. Yes. And that's diametrically opposed to perhaps, you strategy know, old, old, yeah, old, and also old school CEO profiles. Mm. Um, so um, it strikes me that Mark Thompson has obviously all the attributes to do this. And he's obviously also got the interest in doing a really difficult job mm. at the age of 66, which yeah. I think is brilliant. Um, and, you know, if if companies make mistakes in hiring the wrong CEO, it can set an organisation back, not by months, but by years well, um, in a crucial time. Abs- so Absolutely. I mean, Kimberly, the, the kind of the team at CNN have been sort of stuck with all of these changes we had Warner Brothers Discovery buying it off of AT&T so uncertainty about the ownership then they had Chris Lick who was an interesting choice and everyone was generally relatively positive when he started uh, but it went downhill very quickly a bit of concern like a, a Warner Brothers directing some stuff with some stuff coming from Chris Lick and they're stuck in the middle I mean is is staff relations high up Mark's list or is he going to be looking at other things oh absolutely I was going to say as well, I feel like with my headhunting hat mm. on, um, I absolutely would have approached him about this role. <laughs> um, it, he's, I think he's an absolute dream for them. Um, and from what we know, his leadership skills are brilliant. And he's said that he's going to spend the first couple of months listening and learning and, you know, not just you know gunning whatever he thinks they should do straight off the bat so I think that that will be music to uh, to the team's ears um and yeah I mean he's had his fair share of um, ups and downs but I think you know with CNN being described as a legacy media brand but with a messy digital strategy <laughs> I think seeing as he was credited with the iPlayer before even mm, Netflix mm. I, I think he's got you know a really brilliant chance of Try helping everyone discover what it is again. I mean, I don't even really have a sense of what CNN is or wants to be mm. anyway. For me, it's sort of, it's just a news, that's just, it's huge, that's a ridiculous mm. word to use, but it's a news channel that feels quite dry with these allegations of bias. So what does it want to be? Does mm. it want to be making more um, premium content? And, you know, I'm sure he can nail that strategy, as Jane said. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, th- there's a lot of challenges for the brand. It's got an amazing brand. Everyone knows what it is. CNN.com is one of the biggest websites in the world and never really gets talked about. Everyone obviously obsessed, particularly in America, with the domestic TV channel and who's on prime time to kind of hundreds of thousands of listeners. I mean, the ratings for all cable news channels are quite small in, in the States. Um, so maybe do you think his focus perhaps might not be broadcast, where everyone's, which is what everyone's obsessed with? 
Well, everyone is obsessed with broadcast, but also, as everybody knows, on the other side of the fence, you also have the challenge of how do you get your digital revenues to to match Mm. your costs in an increasingly digital world. Um, And Mark had, you know, huge success at the New York Times in, you know, developing the subscription offer, making that profitable, making that one of the only successful subscription Mm, operations mm. um, globally. And so he's got very good form in that regard. So um, understanding, you know, advertiser revenue and the changes that are going on there is is really important for him. A big challenge for CNN is all of their money comes from uh, cable TV subscriptions, which basically cable companies have to pay CNN at yeah. a certain price per subscriber whether they watch or not same for Fox News and MSNBC mm. so you've got this like, huge amount of cash that comes in yeah. sort of unconnected to your product yes exactly and and also the questions are is that is that you know revenue reliable in mm. a kind of general era of perhaps declining viewing among some audiences so um, I think that the you know the the challenge really will be to you know is what I said before dragging them into a digital age in and maintaining revenues and growing the digital ones will be a priority I'm sure I mean I have just such respect for the guy I mean who would take that on in their mm, 60s mm. Um, and if he's going to do anything close to his you know acquiring Wordle when he was at the New York Times <laughs> yeah, then yeah, yeah. I mean we've got yeah. you know exciting things in store for CNN also uh, also apparently he can cook you know oh, so yeah. like he's he's multi-talented good with people and a cook so like what's what's not to like really? well I'm sure we will keep up to date with uh, what Mark's doing I think he was in at CNN uh, on Tuesday this week so he's already in and he starts next month um, okay on to Facebook and sticking with news and Meta has closed the tab and mocked Facebook news uh, and whilst news stories are going to be still available of course in people's feeds the tech giants are no longer going to pay UK news outlets for featuring their stories um, Jane how is this going to affect people what were they doing and wh- where are they now well you know the introduction of the separate tab for news was uh, I guess a risk that Meta took um, on the Facebook app um, to presumably try and separate the the commercial realities of the news and the consumer content, but also from a user experience point of view to try and encourage more people to post their own social content mm. in perhaps a time when they were stopping doing yeah. that so much. Um, and I think you know, the the news battles have been going on for quite a long time in regards to who pays who for news. Mm. There was a bit of a standoff in Australia a few years ago about that. Um, Because there's a view that Facebook has basically stolen all the money from uh, news websites, whether this is entirely true, but the news organisations definitely feel like all the cash has been stolen. I mean, were these investments to, to news companies sort of money to just stay quiet and just... I, I, I think, you know, they were probably done under duress, you know, mm. because because they had to, because there was a bit of an industry standoff. But, you know, the fact is we all get our news from other places now as well. We go to X or we go to other, you know, original media brands mm. and, and look at our news. Um, Facebook isn't necessarily the place you would naturally go to for news so I think it's not only a sort of strategic and a, a, a revenue decision but it's also it's it's presumably just less hassle for them yeah, yeah. Um, do you think Kimberly do you think the big tech companies Google and Facebook should have to kind of pay a, a news tax and that you know they're, they're taking a load of advertising money that comes from attention if you want good stuff your news and insight and investigations 
they're, they're the ones that should should pay for it it's not a bad idea i mean so people expect so much for free mm. don't they um and it is getting harder to figure out what news is reliable uh, and trustworthy uh so i i mean personally i i can't say i would miss the news tab um on facebook um but it is a it's a gray area um about who should pay uh for it all and i mean i, I know people are cross because meta facebook used to say that you know local newspapers and using these journalists in the field are the lifeblood of communities and mm. that's we want that organic content from the ground and now they've just pulled it but i also don't think it's a terrible decision either and everyone's got to cut costs and it will make people more entrepreneurial i mean so this is also this is the closure of their community news project uh, newsquest who a participant told press gazette this week this is a cynical move from a company that takes billions of pounds from the uk advertising market and built their facebook platform in part by free riding the quality content that news publishers provide i mean also there's been some issues in um, canada who've tried to ape the australian model and they've pulled all news from from facebook haven't they they've, they've gone okay if that, we're not going to play by the those rules the government have added some uh some new laws in to, to to force them to do something so they've they've pulled news from the platform yeah so it's a battleground really isn't it um and who knows who knows where this will will stop but i think it's also something that speaks to you know what is facebook's positioning what is facebook the app for mm. um now um there are various experiments that they've undertaken do you think um, it shows more confidence from Facebook because I mean they, they've kind of been through the mill a bit sort of post-election and and Trump and bias and Cambridge Analytica and, and everything um actually do they feel a bit more confident they don't need to pay off the news publishers anymore that's a possibility and I also think um it, it is you know as Kimberly's saying it's a question of focus you know why why keep going down one route when it causes you nothing but hassle um, you know, public communication issues and, you know, possibly reputationally damaging problems as well. So maybe, it's, you know, it's just simpler without it. People don't really know what Facebook is for anymore. You're bang on, you know, I, I, and, and hardly any of the younger generation that most people are trying to market advertise to use it. Mm. So... I have no idea where it's going. But it's still a hugely popular channel for advertising because it it still gets big reach. Yes. You know, so yeah. there's a mismatch there, you know, that and they're also, doing I mean, well. They're also a multi-product firm. You've got Instagram for the younger end. You've got WhatsApp, uh, Threads, uh, and they call Facebook Blue, I think, internally, you know, the big blue app uh, and, and what kind of goes where. Um, sticking to news, and Deadline reports that the BBC is keeping its options open when it comes to general election coverage in the wake of the Hugh Edwards scandal. So Hugh Edwards would normally um, present the election. Uh, he is unwell at the moment. So if there was a snap election tomorrow, he probably wouldn't be around for it. Um, even as we go into next year, uh, is he going to be around? Is he going to be employed by the BBC? what's going to happen with that um kimberly who would you like to see anchor the bbc's election coverage anybody that jumps to mind someone much cooler and more fun um what about rupaul <laughs> rupaul's um election race would be would be certainly different uh, jane clive myrie is actually my hero mm. i think he's super talented um i met him a few weeks ago in connection with trick awards and he is i think one of the really solid and credible presenters with gravitas 
He's also got a sense of humour um, and he's he's adaptable as well because he does that, you know, he can do a quiz show, he can read news, he can be in a war zone. Mm. You know, why wouldn't you have somebody like this who, he, you know, he, he's more relatable, I think, than perhaps the very serious, slightly older school kind of political reporters. I think he could, he's, he's great. Love him. Uh, well, speaking of unflappable, excellent hosts, uh, I'll be back with more uh, and my <laughs> guests after this. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kimberly and Jane are back with me for a deep dive into Kantar's reaction survey for 2023. Uh, Jane, give me a little background. What's the role, what's the job of this research? The job of this research is to examine the question of uh, the medium being the message. So we talk a lot in research and in advertising about the importance of good creative, you know, good ads, good content, whether it's influencer content or TV or audio advertising. Um, We don't talk enough about the qualities of the media channels that they sit on and the media brands and what consumers think of those. Mm. So when we look at our media reaction study, we surveyed 16,000 consumers in 23 markets and also 900 marketers as well. But we asked them the questions about channels and brands and we asked them to rate them on a number of dimensions, both positive and negative. So what do you think about advertising on this channel? And, you know, is it dull and boring? Is it fun and informative? Is it excessively frequent? Is it overly targeted? So we get all these positive and negative opinions, and then we can say which ones stack up better against the others. And we've done it, as I said, in 23 markets. And in those markets, we look at local brands as well Mm. as the global brands that are there and then we ladder that up at a global level both online and offline channels and it shift market to market a lot yes um in local markets you often see that uh local publications come out either number one or or number two um and some of the global ones are in there as well um, but in terms of um, actual media channels, um, there is quite a lot of consistency around the world, you know, about what people think about events and TV and, uh, you know, and, and digital channels as well. But as I said, you know, the interesting thing is there's this massive divergence between what consumers think and, and what marketers think. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we heard a bit about um, outdoor, uh, yep. but also um, online video yes. sort of remains 
the marketeer's darling, doesn't it? Yes, and and you know that's you know in a way I suppose it's like the sexy way of getting reach nowadays um, because you know a lot of marketers' focus is on digital channels. They're still growing even if it's at a slightly declining rate mm-hmm. since last year. We also ask marketers what their planned spend intentions are by channel uh, for 2024, and then we rate that as like you know the net positives or the net negatives and the top 10 um, stated channels by marketers for growth next year mm-hmm. are all digital okay. uh, including podcasts you'll be so glad what's, to hear. what's up there what's at the, what's at the top well the top is online video as okay. you said um, but you've got things like influencer marketing in their podcasts um, social media channels stories appear quite highly as well okay um metaverse has gone down drastically since last year you won't <laughs> it's be not, it's not had a good year no metaverse is 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 definitely uh, not growing as fast as 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 we think um you know and there are other things that are happening as well like you know tv has gone down in terms of its its preference among marketers um part uh- and, yeah. and is, is that because it's losing its sort of mass reach or, or is it just not is it just a sexiness thing it's just not quite sexy anymore it, it's a combination of of things um and it's more about what is top of marketers minds mm. i think and what's top of marketers minds appears to be a whole host of digital channels and marketers are whether we like it or not attracted by new and shiny things as well so right up there for marketers in terms of channels are youtube google instagram TikTok and Spotify, um, you know, among consumers, ironically, among the digital channels, they they really like Amazon, uh, advertising on Amazon. And the reason for that is because it's relevant. Mm. You know, it's targeted, right? Because Amazon obviously knows everything about you. Um, So, you know, marketers, though, have got a lot to deal with. um, And it's not that uh, TV is performing particularly badly. It's just that other channels are viewed positively mm. slightly more and tv yeah. companies of course claim well they're in that world anyway with with their own players and of course and streaming uh, and Bivod. yeah and all of that is performing well it's, it's linear tv which isn't right up there top of mind so whilst kind of consumers prefer amazon ads and marketers quite like the old video streaming ads consumers yeah. not a fan of video streaming ads are they they it, it, the consumers have difficulty with advertising generally it's not <laughs> something you say oh yes i really want loads of advertising skip, isn't skip. yeah isn't it isn't it great yeah yeah. So which is why when they look at, you know, consumer channels are all the offline ones that they can experience in real life, more immersive um, things. Um, and it is exactly your point, Kimberly. It's to do with control. So digital ads, you know, I think they are getting better, um, but there's still quite a lot of pop ups and sort of things you have to click an X on and, you know, get rid of. I think it's, um, you know, but having said that, you know influencer advertising performs okay among consumers so it's it's the newer format and tiktok advertising is liked by them as well so i think it's to do with the formats so elon hasn't killed off social media yet then well x hasn't performed very well (laughs) in this year in in terms of the brand rankings and and when was when was the field work for this it was April, May this year. Okay. So not, not very long ago. Mm. And um, so during during the Elon Elon period um, and among advertisers, there, there seems to be a trust issue and um, marketers next year aren't, you know, so enthusiastic about X. I still can't, I still can't <laughs> say it properly, but yeah. yeah. Well, fingers crossed we won't have to talk about it for that much longer. Uh, in terms of audio, uh, music streaming and podcasts are yeah. also growing, but radio's yeah. had a bit of a wobble. Radio's had a bit of a wobble. 
much like um, many uh, perhaps offline brands mm, or brands mm. that, you know, channels that are perceived yes. to be offline. Yeah. Um, audio generally is still liked, you know, and Spotify has performed well as well in in the rankings. But among audio, yeah, podcasts are the thing that, you know, um, marketers want to spend more on next year. I think, you know, the, the evergreen challenge is not whether you do it or not, is how you do it, and then whether it's impactful. But what we do know is that if you advertise on those channels and those brands that consumers like and they have a preference for, the ads tend to perform better. Okay. So it's kind of in your interests as a marketer to understand what consumers think. Uh, interesting. Um, Kimberly, when you're uh, advertising jobs or you're reaching you know, a group of people that, that, that want to hear about opportunities, um, is there a shift on where those where that kind of communications go or where you find um, your uh, clients both ends, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question because um, certainly you know a lot of people in the tv industry um advertise their jobs including us from time to time on facebook okay. the inside groups but right. but not paid ads mm. i think it's more about community for um for, for tv types linkedin will always mm. be um a good place to advertise it more so i think for creative people i think linkedin is an incredibly exciting place to be talking and advertising um, and people used to think it was dry and corporate and boring mm. and it really isn't that now but I think um, the effectiveness of advertising comes down a lot to do with trust I mean a lot of that is what Jane is saying her report talks about and relevance mm. but it's also about expectations I think podcasting advert uh, advertising is kind of accepted because podcasts are still relatively new um, and therefore it sort of just happened that you expect there to be adverts because there always has been whereas YouTube video streaming advertising is so annoying because it never used to be there certainly not at the top and now I've got to sit through two ads that I can't wait to press that mm. skip ad button as soon as possible I mean it, it is interesting some of those platforms are changing as a as a YouTube channel owner I got an email from them this week saying oh, we're removing your ability to decide when the adverts go and it's like and it's like oh we've learned you make more money if you leave it to us and and and, and basically yeah. don't remove the things that we quite like um here i think there's also a bit of uh, people's perceptions change as their own media consumption habits change too so if you're much more comfortable living in linkedin actually then that as an advertising yeah. uh, destination works for you a bit more now. again it's, it's a warm place to exist i think it's about community mm. and trust so yeah you're going to see it you're going to accept it you're going to take it at face value whereas if something's being served up to me just because you know i'm i'm there at the time then i, I won't like it i'll mm. react adversely yeah. to it and the the i guess the you know one ex- good example is that you know the ads have to tie in with the 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 type of channel that it is so if you look at something like tiktok we've done loads of research which shows that you know the the more you customize your ad to the channel and you know taking all the advantages of the technology the music backgrounds the editing techniques all of that kind of thing you make it fun and entertaining because that's what the channel is about they are more impactful so you're absolutely right you have to kind of lean into what that channel is about and do it in the right way for your brand but also for the consumers uh, well the rise of digital audio and spotify um uh, hasn't hasn't um 
and the rise of digital advertising, particularly in Spotify, um, hasn't been ignored by criminals. And if you saw this this week, so this is criminals in Sweden. Of course, it would be Sweden where Spotify comes from. Um, they want to launder their money, and rather than follow Breaking Bad and opening a, a nail shop or, or something like that, um, what they've done is they've released music on Spotify paid ne'er-do-wells to basically click play on all the streams and then claim the cash back from Daniel Ek and, and Spotify, um, which is an amazing story. Spotify say that they don't think this is true. They, some criminals said, no, no, we definitely do this. <laughs> it blew my mind when I read yeah. this story. I had to read it a couple of times to get my head around it. It's actually really complex. But um, no, I mean... I've Obviously, not fair play to criminals, but fair play to the creativity, uh, yeah. uh, perhaps, of criminals. I mean, this is a group of people who definitely understand <clears throat> platforms, technologies, and advertising. Yeah. I mean, the way I see it is that it's kind of, you know, a few years ago, we were talking about click farms where people mm. would just click on things to, to boost click rates. It's kind of click farms, you know, 2.0, I think we're experiencing here. And as Kimberly says, it's kind of, it's like a great idea for a crime. <laughs> um, but, you know, all the, a couple of the stories I read saying, you know, there is no evidence that it is happening. So it could be entirely fiction. Mm. Who knows? Uh, it, there's been some other other stories um, around Spotify, people putting white noise on there and taking the ad money from it. Because uh, obviously there's this big pool of cash that gets distributed in in a variety of different ways um, that kind of annoys everybody. So if you can find an angle, find an edge, get some of that good dot-com cash in your pocket. Honestly, I didn't even know you could make money from having streams on Spotify. <laughs> I just use it to make my own like playlists for parties and stuff. So, you know, it's a whole new world to me. And, well, and, and put... of course, music artists will complain that they're not paid enough for their yes. streams. So there's a whole, you know, industry battle going on there about, you know, rightful reward for content. Well, I look forward to like, that Spotify have these, these sort of twice yearly, look at all the amazing things we're doing. Uh, I, I look forward to like the VP of of artist payment coming on. Well, the criminals think it's pretty good split of the cash. Um, okay, there's just enough time for the media quiz. Uh, this week, it's all about the National Television Awards. Uh, what normally happens is the media industry come up with a shortlist uh, and then uh, the public themselves, they get to vote for the winners. So just to keep everyone abreast of what the public think, I'm going to name the category in two shortlisted shows. You just have to tell me who won. Who That's we think won or who we would have preferred to win. No, who actually won. <laughs> okay. We can okay. talk about that afterwards. Okay, okay. Okay, uh, okay so buzz in uh, with your name if you know the <laughs> answer. So Jane, you'll say. Jane. And Kimberly, you'll say. Kimberly. Uh, right, here we go. Question number one. Best daytime, was it the repair shop or this morning? Kimberly, the repair shop. It was the repair shop. They won at the expense of this morning. Obviously had a bit of a few fireworks this year. Mm, but also, who doesn't love the repair shop? That, the <laughs> yeah, public yeah. got that one right. It's a reassuring programme, isn't yeah, it? And I it did. sort of makes you cry and, you know, what's not to like, really? And it did mean we didn't have to put up with the dreadful uh, we're all hungover on this morning gag they do uh, every year after the NTA. Yeah. yeah, but they don't do that anymore, obviously. So. Uh, yes. um, OK, question number two. Uh, the Bruce Forsyth Entertainment Award who won it, Anton Deck or Gogglebox? Oh, Kimberly. Oh, you just... Oh, 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 get... Go on then. <laughs> it was Gogglebox. It was Gogglebox. Um, they're celebrating 10 years uh, this year. Uh, but don't feel too sorry for Anton Deck. They did come away with their 44th NTA award uh, this year for Best Presenters. Mm. Yeah. 
How do you feel about that, Jane? Uh, I don't know. It, it's like, it's sort of relentless, uh, the Anton Deck thing, isn't it, really? <laughs> it just sort of goes on and on, despite their own dramas, <laughs> yeah. which Who's they've the had. the next Anton Deck? Surely yes. there's another Anton Refresh yeah. required. Uh, Gogglebox, worthy, worthy winner. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I, I am slightly... Um, uh, bored of the photos of my my peers and my friends who are, who all work on Gogglebox and who I think are fantastic for the record, but wow, it's every every year as well. It seems. Um, I went and saw a session at the Edinburgh TV Festival celebrating ten years of Gogglebox, uh, and I mean it's it's still a massive a massive oh. ratings winner for Channel Four. It they, is. they sort of it's stuck with it. It is. I remember I was working at Studio Lambert at the time. The development team were coming up with it, and I was making a cup of tea in the kitchen, <laughs> and one of the team. Um, we were just doing the small chat, small talk over the kettle boiling. Um, what are you working on, Kimberly? Oh, I'm on Undercover Boss here. Uh, what are you working on? Oh, we're doing this. De- I'm in development. Yeah, we're making this like pitch deck about people who are watching TV. So we're filming the people who are watching the TV. And we were both like, okay, <laughs> move on. And then look what happened. Uh, they showed some great clips of the international goggle boxes uh, from around the world um, and lovely to see equivalents uh, everywhere. Um, but it's, it is a great way that it does, unlike many shows, it does sort of reflect, I think, Britain. Yes, it really does. Yes, uh, and, and the, the characters that they choose people become invested in, but also it, it, it's kind of gentle mm. humour as well so it's a kind of again it's a kind of reassuring watch isn't yeah. it it feels familiar I used to think it was like a much more human version of the Anne Robinson points of view <laughs> yeah yes. yeah yeah and more entertaining <laughs> yeah uh, right question number three uh, best comedy did it go to Ghosts Ted Lasso or Young Sheldon oh Kimberly oh. I want to go on Jane you had your I hand think, yeah no because um, I was gonna I was gonna say something but I'm not sure on. about that so you, you go I think first. I know what it is but I know what it should have been okay who what, who did win is it Young Sheldon yes Young Sheldon did win I mean Ted Lasso for the win personally uh, well I think I can just hear in the background Scott Bryan screaming about ghosts because <laughs> he, he was very annoyed that, that, that ghosts didn't win I mean Young Sheldon it's, it's back to the public have the public's taste don't they yeah, and you know, um, full disclosure, mm. I used to chair Trick Awards mm. at Television Radio Industry Club, and I'm now still on the committee. And you know, the public vote, if if that's the route you go down, um, has has to win. You know, and I guess um, the you know, there's a reach issue about you know who's going to vote, mm. who can be bothered to vote. Um, and motivated groups enjoy yeah, mo- voting in these yeah. and how did they yeah. pick the public that vote I mean I don't know anybody who had that is, is it phone lines online so it's open to obviously the, the, the people who are nominated encourage their fans to vote for them right. Um, but obviously some have bigger social reaches or can can reach out to different groups. Yeah, I mean, in market research, obviously, we do we do research differently because uh-huh. you look at, you know, representative populations. Mm. See, I'm and, all in for that. Yeah, that you know, fair. demographically weighted and all that kind yeah. of thing. But these awards, um, you know, can't be done like that. That's mm. too complicated. So, you know, it, it you know it, it's just how it is. Uh, well, congratulations, Kimberly. Um, three yeah. out of three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I failed. As, as a prize, you get to lead uh, the media podcast development slate for... 
thank you to you both uh, for joining us today uh, where can people keep up uh, with what you're doing Kimberly oh so um, people can find me I'm very active on LinkedIn and at talentedpeople.tv and of course the Imposter Club podcast which is on all the usual podcasts wherever you're listening to this one uh, and Jane uh, well you can find me on LinkedIn obviously I'm active there as well cantar.com uh, forward slash media reactions is where you can download the booklet that, of the research that I was just talking about um, and yeah we have a podcast as well called Future Proof which is all about marketing and brands uh, thank you both and that's it from us today at the London Podcast Studios if you want to bump into us in the corridor on the way to your own recording you can uh, plus you'll get 25% off your first booking when you use the code MEDIAPOD at thelondonpodcaststudios.com that's thelondonpodcaststudios.com and use MEDIAPOD as the code for 25% off uh, my name is Matt Deegan the producer was Matt Hill it was a Rethink Audio production I'll see you next week Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.